Amen. Amen. Happy Resurrection Day. Turn to your neighbor and say, hope is alive. All right, now turn to your second choice and say, his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. And we are so happy that you are here today, whether you're in person or online. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for showing up, making Jesus the center point of your Easter, which he should always be the center point of our life. Amen? Amen. Hey, we're going to start out this morning. We're doing a message called Breakfast by the Sea. Anyone like breakfast? How many, is, is it your favorite meal, breakfast? Anyone in here, favorite meal? Some of you could have it three times a day, right? I know what you're talking about. All right, well, there's a scripture I want to start with this morning, and I want you to hang on to this scripture. I want you to just kind of put it in your back pocket, but we're going to talk about it. Here it is. The scripture is this. Jesus said to his disciples, if you could just put that up on the screen, there it is, before uh, Jesus said to his disciples, but after I am raised from the dead, I will go ahead of you to Galilee and meet you there. And I'm not sure what the disciples really understood by what Jesus was saying here. I'm not sure that they really even understood what was going to happen to him. But nonetheless, Jesus said to them, after I am raised from the dead, leave Jerusalem and go to Galilee. I will meet you there. So I want you to just kind of keep that in the back of your mind, and we'll, we'll come back around to it, but just keep that in your back pocket for a minute. Let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever thought you were one way when really you were another way? Or how many of you thought you would act a certain way, and then when something happened, you actually ended up acting very differently than you thought you would act? I remember on this very stage several years ago, I remember, for whatever reason, uh, they were filming me, and I was up on the big screen. And I remember turning around and looking at myself on the big screen, and there was this person up there with thinning hair and a bald spot. And I remember asking myself, who's that? Like, none of you ever told me I had a bald spot. Come on. And I'm looking up there going, who is? I didn't even recognize myself. It, it's not like I put a mirror behind my, you know, head and see how, oh, how's the back of my head doing. And all of a sudden, I wasn't who I thought I was. I wasn't the physical specimen that I thought I was. Or how many of you can relate to this? You wear something one year, and then the next year you go to put on that very same article of clothing and you can't even get into it. Does anyone relate to that? Like, it's not even close. You're not who you thought you were. We do that physically, but we also do it spiritually. Where we think we will react one way. Oh, you know, if someone, you know, flipped me off or someone cut in front of me, I'll act this way. And then when it happens, we act a completely different way. Like, we're not who we thought we were. Spiritually, physically, sometimes it happens. Relationally, tomorrow I get the privilege of in this very place doing a wedding. And it's going to be awesome and it's going to be fun and, and, and I love weddings. But I have to be honest with you, after my wedding, two days after my own wedding, we're on our honeymoon and my wife and I are fighting like cats and dogs. It's horrible. I'm like, this is our honeymoon? If this is our honeymoon, what is our marriage going to be like? And I'm looking for annulment clauses. And it was over something so silly. 
we started arguing and nipping at each other. And, and I'm thinking to myself, this is not who I thought I would be. I, I am actually not the husband that I thought I would be. I'm not acting like I thought I would act. I'm certainly not living up to the vows that two days ago I just made when times are tough and I am just screaming at her. There are moments in our lives where things hit us and we do not act like we think we will act. We do not believe who we really think we are. It's, it, it's not reality. And sometimes our identity is changed. It's kind of a silly story, but um, my friend uh, Leslie and I, and some of you might remember Leslie, a couple of weeks ago, I talked about putting a, uh, a miniature firecracker in his cigarette. You guys remember the story? Some of you are traumatized just by me saying that. You can go back and listen to the message. It was called Anointing at Bethany. It's worth the listen. But a few months after that event, he's still my friend. I know it's crazy, but he's still my friend. And we are doing something at night that we called car tag. And car tag, um, this is being filmed online, so I won't go into very specific details, but it involves muscle cars, it involves CB radios, very fast speeds, and water balloons. Okay, that's all I'm going to say. And so we had just had a great night of car tag. And my friend Leslie, is, he is a great car tagger. Uh, he's got a 1966 Bonneville. So, I mean, his car was fast. I mean, it would move. And he was a great driver, and everyone wanted to be on his team uh, because he was just so good. Well, we'd had a great night of car tag, and we had, you know, been out most of the night. We decided to call it a night, and we all came back to my house, and everyone was saying their goodbyes, and uh, everyone was leaving, and Leslie was the last person to pull out of the driveway, and as he did that, I looked in my car, and lo and behold, I had one more water balloon still in my car. And at that moment, the instinctual part of my brain took over and the logical part of my brain shut down. And I took that water balloon and in that moment, I just chucked it at his car. I, I wasn't even thinking about it. But I just happened to hit his car right by his driver's side window. And when that water balloon smacked against his window, his reaction was to immediately steer to the left. That was his reaction. He was on course, water balloon hit, and he immediately went to the left. And when he did, he discovered there was a telephone pole over there. And I remember seeing his beautiful 1966 Bonneville going down the side of that telephone pole and sparks flying everywhere. He was on course he was on track, everything was good, and then trauma hit. Trauma hit. Something he wasn't expecting, something he wasn't prepared for, something that was unusual, out of the ordinary, out of place. And it totally threw him off his course 
Trauma. What is trauma? Trauma is described as a distressing, deeply distressing or disturbing event. That's trauma. That's what he experienced in that moment. This very good car tagger, excellent driver, in that moment of trauma was taken off course. And, and what's, it's kind of silly, but what's funny about this moment is he no longer, after that event, he was so traumatized by that event. And some of you are wondering, did he still remain your friend after all this stuff you did? Yeah, it's crazy, I know. But he didn't want to do car tag anymore. Can you imagine that? He didn't want to play car tag anymore. You see, because not only did he experience trauma, but now there was a trigger. That water balloon that we used to enjoy when we play card tag, when you're expecting it, all of a sudden, now it was trauma. And he didn't want to go anywhere near where there were any water balloons. Triggers and trauma had taken him off course. They made him question whether or not he was who he thought he was. And they will do the same thing to us. Trauma can take us off course. And 2020, let's face it, was full of trauma. A lot of you are shaking your heads. Maybe you're online. Maybe you're watching. Maybe you experienced trauma. Maybe you experienced the loss of a loved one. We certainly have at Christ Center. We lost several people that were dear and beloved to this church. And, and, and the sad part is, we couldn't even give them a proper goodbye. Trauma. People got sick. People you know got sick. People I know right now are sick in the hospital with COVID. Trauma. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe financially, you went through a struggle. Maybe a relationship that you thought was so solid is now dissolved. Political climate, trauma. Racial division, trauma. Worldwide pandemic, trauma. Mask, no mask, trauma. Trauma, trauma, trauma. And whenever trauma hits, it makes us question who we are. And sometimes we don't act like we think we'll act. I want to look at someone in Scripture, Simon Peter. See, Simon Peter, he knew who he was. I mean, if there's ever anyone that's bold in Scripture, ever anyone in Scripture that's not afraid to speak out, it was Simon. As a matter of fact, Simon would consider himself, I am a faithful follower of Jesus. Others may leave you, others may, may forsake you, but I am on the road with you, Jesus. That's what he believed. And to be fair, Jesus believed it about him as well. As a matter of fact, he changed his name from Simon, which meant reed, to Peter, which meant rock. So not only did Simon, Peter, believed he was a faithful follower, but Jesus identified him as a rock that's going to help establish this thing I'm going to call the church, ecclesia, called out ones. You'll be a part of that. So that's where Simon Peter's head was at. I am a faithful follower of Jesus. That's who I am. As a matter of fact, he said this 
in Scripture. Simon Peter asked, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus replied, you can't go with me now, but you will follow me later. But why can't I come with you now, Lord? He asked. I am ready to die for you. That's who Peter thought he was. I am ready to die for you. I mean, you can't get any more confident of your followership than that, that the person you're following, you're willing to die for them. Peter was on course. He was following Jesus. He knew who he was. Jesus affirmed who he was. And then trauma happened. Some days later, Peter and a few other disciples followed Jesus into the Garden of Gethsemane. And they follow him into that garden. And there's trauma there. Jesus, who was always in control, Jesus who raised the dead, Jesus who healed the sick, Jesus who was always in command. No fear. All of a sudden, Peter is watching his Lord, the one he said he'd die for, the one he believes was the Messiah. He is watching him weep and sweat blood in the garden. How traumatic. It was so traumatic that it says in the Gospels that the disciples, those three that went further into the garden, that were a stone's throw away from Jesus, it was so intense that it says they fell asleep out of sorrow. They weren't just tired. They hadn't just been up a few nights a little bit late. No, it says that they fell asleep out of sorrow. All of a sudden, they're watching the strongest one they've ever known go through so much hurt and pain, and he's crying out for his daddy, and it's traumatic. Not only that, but all of a sudden, Peter's friend, the one that's close to him, the one that has been by his side, the one that has journeyed with him for three years, Judas, is bringing a mob to Jesus. Peter's watching this. He's watching his Lord in anguish in the garden, and now a good, close friend betrays Jesus with a kiss. Trauma. And now the mob is ready to take his Messiah. He pulls out a dagger, and he goes to probably cut off someone's head, but he's a poor aim and he only gets his ear, the Malchus, and he cuts off his ear. And what does Jesus do? He rebukes him. And he picks up the ear and he puts it back on Malchus's head and he heals him. Trauma, trauma, trauma. And now... Jesus is going to be led off to a farce of a trial to be crucified. Can you imagine that kind of trauma? Your whole world turned upside down. Here's what it says in John 18. 
Then the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to her who kept the door and brought Peter in. Then the servant girl who kept the door said to Peter, aren't you one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Not I wasn't, not I'm not going to be. I am not one of his disciples. Excuse me, didn't you just days earlier say you would die for Jesus? And now you're literally denying him to a servant girl? Trauma. Now the servants and officers who had made a fire of coals, because it was cold out, they warmed themselves, and Peter also stood and warmed himself by the fire. Can you imagine? It's cold. They followed Jesus. It's a cold night, and they're warming themselves by this fire of coals. And therefore they said to him, aren't you one of this man's disciples? And he denied it and said, I am not. Still warming himself by the fire. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of him whose ear Peter cut off, Malchus, said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again. And it says immediately the rooster crowed. There he is, warming himself by a fire. Denies his Lord that he said he would die for three times. And then just as Jesus predicted, the rooster crowed. Now remember what Jesus said? I said to remember it. He says, after I am raised again, meet me where? In Galilee. See, Jesus told Peter, you're going to deny me. He said that to Peter. You'll deny me three times, a rooster will crow. But listen, after that, get to Galilee. It was almost as if Jesus was saying, Peter, you're going to fail me. You're going to drop the ball. You're going to deny me. But Forget about it and get to Galilee. I'll meet you there. He was more concerned, not with Peter's failure, but did he get to Galilee and meet him? And so we pick up later in John, after he returned to Galilee. I want to read for you the scripture in John, where it talks about Jesus coming back to Galilee. And he doesn't come back to Galilee as a follower of Jesus, a fisher of man, as Peter the rock. No, it says he comes back with his friends and he says, I'm going fishing again. Not fishing for men, fishing for fish. See, this calling that Jesus had given him was clearly not him. Because after all, he failed Jesus. And so what does he do? He goes back to his old life. He goes back to fishing for fish instead of fishing for men. And he's fishing, and they're fishing all night long, and they catch nothing, zero. 
And he's a fisherman. And then all of a sudden on the shore, a man yells and he says, hey, have you caught anything? And they yell back, no, we've fished all night and we've caught nothing. And then this man on the shore says, hey, walk seven and a half feet, that's how wide the boat was, and go to the right side of the boat, the unorthodox side of the boat. You didn't fish on this side, you fished on the left side, but he called him to this side. And he says, drop down your nets over there. And they did. And when they dropped down those nets, it says that there were so many fish that went into the nets that they couldn't even pull it in. They had to drag it to shore. And when that happened, the disciple that Jesus loved, John, the author of John, looked at Peter and he says, that's Jesus. That's Jesus, the one on the shore. That's Jesus. And it says that Jesus, put, or Peter put on his outer garment and he ran and he jumped into the water and he swam to Jesus. Why did Jesus say, go back to Galilee? I'll meet you in Galilee. He was saying, leave Jerusalem. Leave the place of your failure. Leave the nightmare of your failure and go back to where I first called you. You see, Jesus redeems Peter's failure. He redeems it. Just like he wants to do with all of us. See, the bottom line is all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All of us. All of us think we're one way and we try as hard as we can and yet when trauma hits, we find ourselves doing things we never thought we would do. We fail. We all fail. We all fall short. And if you say you don't, the Bible says you're a liar because we all fall short. And that's why Jesus says, Peter, Peter, yes, you'll fail me. You'll, you'll deny me three times. Yes, yes, yes. But go to Galilee because I'm going to meet you there and I'm going to redeem your failure. And how did he do that? How did he redeem his failure? Here's what Jesus did. Jesus himself caught fish and he made bread. I mean, I didn't know that Jesus could make bread. I imagine, I don't know if where he made it, I don't know how he did it, but somehow, some way, Jesus made bread and he caught fish and it says he served Peter. He served him. You, you never would eat with someone in that culture. You would never eat with someone that you had a problem with. Certainly someone that you had not forgiven. Certainly someone that you did not have right relationship. A meal was that sacred that you would never eat with someone. You would never serve someone food unless you were okay. You see, that's what happened Jesus made a meal and he fed his friend, Peter. He forgave him. He restored him. He redeemed his failure. And not only that, what did he do it on? He, he could have, you know, made fish, you know, somewhere else and brought it back. He could have made bread somewhere else and brought it back. But no, it says he made a coal fire. 
the very same word used to describe where Peter denied Jesus, a coal fire, is used to describe where he redeemed his failure. You see that trigger of the fire? And how many of us have sat around a campfire? And we have amazing memories of s'mores and food and fun and friends and songs, but not for Peter. You see, Peter failed Jesus around a campfire. Forever fires would be a trigger for him, but not now. See, Jesus made that very same fire, and he cooked bread and fish on it, and he served Peter. He's saying, no longer will this be a trigger for you because I forgive you, Peter. He forgives our failures. But that's not all. He restored his calling. Oh, see, Peter thought, well, I could never be a fisher of man anymore, and I'm certainly not Peter, so I'm just going to go back and fish for fish. But what did, what did Jesus say? He said, no, go to the other side of the boat, cast the net, and they did, and, and all these fish came in. What was, what was Jesus doing? He was, he was taking Peter back to the first miracle where he called him. Where he first called Jesus, he was taking him back there and he was saying, no, 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 no. You're not a a fisher of fish. You are a fisher of men. I've not changed my mind. And he restored his calling. He redeemed his failure and he restored his calling. And that's what he wants to do for every one of us in our lives. He doesn't want us living in the nightmare of Jerusalem. He wants us to go back to the vision of Galilee. And I want to show you an example of that in the life of someone here at Christ Center. And so we're going to show that video now. Life for me growing up was great. I grew up in Kashmir, Washington, beautiful small town. Everybody knows everybody and everybody's dog. Um, I had two loving parents and one older brother who's a year older and we beat each other up a lot and now we're best friends. And growing up in a non-Christian home, it was, it looked like, I mean, my mom would drink all the time and she was a functioning alcoholic, so there was always like, vodka bottles hidden in like dressers. Um, My mom was everything but a Christian. We even found her Buddhist scroll once and I was like, what is this? (laughs) And so my parents were very like free spirited. You guys do what you want, choose your path, whatever. So Shasta invited me to church. Well, she invited me to youth group. Um, I was super into longboarding and she was too. And I was longboarding by the UG and one day she just stuck her head out and was like, hey, when I come to youth group and it was that awkward age where you go from eighth grade to ninth grade and you lose a lot of friends you know I didn't understand what like a good friendship was like a Christ-like friendship like friends that like actually love you no matter what like I kind of lived in the ghetto area and like and I was always so embarrassed to show people my house and like I also was super emo (laughs) so and they didn't care they just loved me for who I was and They would actually check up on me and stuff, and um, before Jesus, people would describe me in one word, and it was fearless, you know? Like, I would be the one to always do the dare or eat the nasty squid at the buffet or, you know, eat the worm for a dollar, and um, 
go off the biggest jumps on a bike and totally just hurt my whole entire body and just do it again and again. And I remember I was on a mission trip to Tijuana and they did a skit where Jesus was getting crucified. And that moment, I, that hit me so hard and I just, I had never, I never knew. I mean, I had heard about it, but to see it and what he went through for us when we didn't even deserve it, you know? Like I just, that was the first time I gave my heart to God. And, and then after that, you know, I, I still lived the double life because of how I grew up and you know, I had my church friends and then my not church friends and I was in college and I was drinking and blah, blah, blah. And, and then um, there was this moment where I hit rock bottom in college. Um, I, in one month, literally, my parents got divorced, my grandma died, and I got chronically ill. And I just, everything was taken. Family, which I thought was all I ever needed to keep me strong, right? They're like, you're fearless, you got this. And they were all gone, it was broken. Um, my health, gone. Um, and my grandma, who was like one of my best friends. And I just, I couldn't understand. And I, and then I got into this really big depression where I couldn't even leave my house. Like I. I couldn't get back up. I remember it got so bad, I couldn't leave my house, and I was actually suicidal, like I wanted to die. And the thought of thinking that that's a better option was so terrifying than living. <laughs> so I remember I called Steve, and we sat on a bench, I'll never forget, and I told him, that was the first time I said it out loud, and he said, don't ever say that again. And uh, he made me write it on a piece of paper. <laughs> um, and then from then on, I remember I was so down and I was so desperate that I just said, okay, God, I, I give you my life. Like, I can't do it. I'm not fearless through the world. I thought I was, but I am not, and I need you. And um, I started slowly but surely putting him first on the throne. I prayed to him every morning, every night for other people. He became my number one, and, uh, and he just healed me. He healed me, and now I'm... I'm I'm fearless through him. <laughs> like, my identity is through Christ now. I learned that, like, if you have faith, you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It doesn't matter how you fall. It just matters how you get back up. And God stood me back up on my feet. So everybody always was like, you'd be such a great teacher and all this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, maybe. And I actually wanted to be a dolphin trainer when I started going to college. <laughs> then I realized I wanted to help people like Jesus did. You know, because that seed that was planted in me already in college. And so I, I was like, social work, I want to help people, okay? And then I was like, I could help kids. So then that's after college, I got my job at the Bethel School District and I worked with kids. And I was hooked. I was like, I love working with kids. It's so fun. Um, they're so important. They're our future, you know? And like I was invested in as a young age and I just want to invest in those kids too. And then God opened up that opportunity to be a youth leader and to work side by side with him. I was like, is this, this is too good to be true. Like I get to do what Steve and Stephanie did for me, what Eugene did for me, which has saved me. <laughs> and I get to do that for them. And that means so much. So <laughs> that's awesome. Can we just, that's well done, Kels. That was so good. We love you. We love you. Maybe you're here today. I want you to know this. God demonstrates his love for us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still failing, Jesus died for us. 
Even before Peter had denied Jesus, he says, you'll fail me, but get to Galilee because I want to meet you there. I want to restore you. And maybe you're here today and maybe you're watching online and, and you recognize you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, as your Lord, as the one that forgives you and restores you and redeems you. Today's your day. Maybe this is the day that you say, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. Or maybe you're here today and you're saying, you know, I never expected 2020 to hit me like it did. I never expected to go through some trauma that I went through. I never expected this or that to happen in my life. I never expected to turn away from God, but yet I'm not following him like I know I need to be. I want you to know that just as Jesus restored Peter's calling, he wants to restore your calling as well. Wherever you are, he loves you and he forgives you and he wants you to come home and to fulfill the calling he has on your life. And I want that too. Maybe you're here today and you just say, well, none of that's for me. That's okay too. He still loves you and he's still gonna keep reaching out to you. But if you're ready to pray a prayer that just says, Jesus, I want you to be my savior, just pray this prayer with me, would you? Just in your heart, Lord Jesus, thank you for loving me so much. Thank you for forgiving me of my failures. When I miss the mark, when I sin, when I find myself doing the things I don't want to do, when I, when I find myself not being the person who I know I should be and who I know you want me to be, please forgive me. I want to walk in your grace the rest of my life. I want to follow you all the days of my life. I put my hope and I put my trust in you, Jesus, as my Savior. Amen. And just keep your heads bowed. Maybe you're here, you're watching, or you're listening later. Maybe you're thinking, you know, I've done something so wrong and so bad that Jesus could never forgive me. He could never take me back. It's a lie. I know because I believed it. I had turned my back on Jesus, and yet when I came back to him, he embraced me, covered me with his arms, and put me back on the path. And that's exactly what he wants to do for you right now. And if that's you, just pray this prayer in your heart with me. Jesus, today I choose to get back on the path that you've called me to. I choose to walk the way you want me to walk, in the direction you want me to walk in. I surrender my life back to you. Oh, I know I won't be perfect, but I know you will continue to keep putting me back on the right path. And I put my faith in that today. I put my faith in you today. In your name, Jesus, I pray. Amen. Man, if you're in this room and you prayed that prayer, either one of those or you're online, would you do me a favor and just text the word BEGIN to 56525 because we want to walk with you in the journey. We don't want you to walk alone. You, see, other religions, you can do it alone. Buddhists, you can do alone. Atheism, 
agnostic, all those, you, but Christianity, you can't. We are the body of Christ, and we are together. And so we never want you to do it alone. So text begin to 56525. We want to walk with you through this. And then for those of you today that just say, I'm in the middle of trauma, just bow your heads because I want to pray for you. Maybe just slip up your hand wherever you're at and just say, man, I am right in the middle of it. God, I just pray for everyone whose hands raised, everyone who is in the middle of trauma. God, thank you that they can humble themselves under your mighty hand, and in due time, you will lift them up. I pray that you would increase their faith today, and you would strengthen them. In the name of Jesus, and everyone said, amen. And now I invite you to stand, because God is the only one, our creator is the only one who gets to give you your identity, because he is your creator. And he says today, you are a child of his. And so as we worship, as we close today together, believe in your heart that you are his child and that he has called you for his purposes. Let's sing together.